land investing online has only been a thing 18 months. We've been flipping land for years, um, but we started teaching this 18 months ago. And as these first students are, some of them made seven, 800, a million dollars last year, the last 12 months. And like, they're interested in getting in these niches. So I think there's a lot of value in that. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we help you unlock your potential freedom through land investing, real estate investing, and entrepreneurship. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today's episode discussing best land flipping niches of 2023. I'm your host, Andrew Apke, joined again by my brother and business partner, Ron Apke. Before we get into the show, let's go over a question from one of our featured Discord members. Today's question is from Paul. Paul asked, I know you can reduce tax liability by reinvesting into the business. For what's left if it gets taxed as ordinary income, correct? So state, federal, and self-employment tax. Yeah, you got a spot on, Paul. And obviously, uh, not obviously, we're not accountants. So talk to your accountant if you have deeper questions about this. So how our business is looked at is looked at as an inventory business. So you buy a property for $100,000, you sell it for $200,000, you made $100,000 of profit. Um, you cannot invest that money, that $100,000 into another deal and say that's an expense. That's not an expense, it's inventory. Um, so that $100,000 of profit is going to be taxed as ordinary income. But yeah, you have other expenses that you can write off, whether it's sending more mail, whether it's hiring someone, those are the expenses that you can write off. And then the remainder will be as income, essentially. Yeah, any overhead, if you get an office space, your Wi-Fi, you know, good things like that that are contributing to your business. Maybe you buy a CRM systems, hire outsource, you know, virtual assistants, things like that are all things that help reduce that income. But yeah, I mean, if you're worried about your income level coming in, you're probably in a good financial situation. Most people coming in haven't gotten to that financial level they want. So they're like, oh, I want to make more and more and more and more. And then you get to a certain point, you're like, okay, how can I drop my income down so I it looks like I make less on paper, so you're getting taxed on less. But yeah, really, really good question, Paul. Let's get into the show. Today's topic, the best land flipping niches of 2023. We're about halfway there, Ron. We're in the middle right now. It's June 2023, and we've done episodes like this before. So why, why, are we, why have we done episodes like this before? Why are they big? Why are we big on these different niches? Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... As the end, I mean, there's more money in niches at the end of the day, like learning how to do something like land flipping in itself is a niche. That's why people are making so much money in land and land flipping. And then within land flipping, you have these different niches where um, it's just a specialization at the end of the day. And you can make more money um, if you become really specialized. Again, we never tell people like, okay, your first deal should be a subdivide. Your first deal should be an entitlement, whatever entitlement, whatever it is. That's not what we suggest doing. But that being said, um, as our community grows bigger, like we've only been, Land Investing Online's only been a thing 18 months. We've been flipping land for years, um, but we started teaching this 18 months ago. And as these first students are, some of them made seven, 800, a million dollars last year, the last 12 months. And like, they're interested in getting in these niches. So I think there's a lot of value in that. And uh, they've learned so much over the last 12 months, 18 months doing land. Um, they're ready for those uh, next steps, which might be less deals, more profit per deal, niches kind of things. And if you're newer starting out, and yeah, maybe you're not looking for niche now, but sometimes you just fall into different niches as well. And I think that's good to know. And it's also good to know direction of where you're actually going and keep your mind on different niches. It, there's a lot There's a lot to get into with niches. There's just so so many different opportunities out there. I saw someone post yesterday, Ron, in the community, they posted like, 
someone posted a wet deal. Like it was like 60% water and maybe like a pond, but someone responded and said, yeah, I, I specialize in wetlands and water properties. I was like, interesting. Wonder what, like I tried to put myself in their shoes. Like, what are they? Maybe it's hunting. Honestly, it could be good hunting land, Ron. Um, you know, water, water, wet properties. So I'm just curious to how they go about that, but that's a niche among many other things, but let's, let's throw some different niches out there. But before we do that, why you, you mentioned the money thing Ron? is there any other reason that comes to mind? Like why niches are, can be really powerful. The one thing that comes to mind for me is real quick guys, you know that I don't run any ads on this. So the only ask I can ever have with you guys is to help me spread the word so that we can help more real estate entrepreneurs make more money help feed their families, and help achieve more freedom in their life. The only way we can do this is if you rate, review, and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is if you could just leave a review, it would take only 10 seconds. It would mean the world to Ron and I, but more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. Anything you get better at that's hard to get into becomes more sustainable, yeah. if that makes sense. So you can't just have a competitor from the streets being like, oh, I want to get into this, you know, where it's super easy to get into. But like, if you're talking about entitlements, Ron, and really specific different niches, rezoning and, you know, get prepping it for mobile home, that's a lot of work that that's, you know, a lot of specialty that you need local, you need local boots on the ground, you need good resources around, you need money to get, you know what I mean? It's just the more specialized you get, the harder it is to infiltrate. Yeah, I think the larger the barrier to entry, um, the more sustainable like you said dan like if education is a huge barrier to entry like lots of education lots of experience doing this it's going to be more difficult for people to like you said penetrate be in the market it's going to be more sustainable for you um a lot of these type of niches which i really like are relationship based whether you need a surveyor in the area a good realtor in the area like entitlements you're gonna have to know the cities you're gonna have to know all these different municipalities and stuff like that um, a lot of it's relationship based and those relationships are built over time. Um, but, uh, like you said, I think along with increased money, I think it can be increased money with less hours and it's more sustainable. Absolutely. Well, let's start throwing some niches out there. Cause people, I want to get people's heads kind of flowing to what different mm -hmm. land niches, like Ron said, land flipping is already a niche, but there's so many niches, even from a location aspect, maybe you only do deals around let's just say Portland, Oregon, Ron, maybe you're a specialist in Portland, Oregon, that's doing, you know, five acre mobile home lots or whatever that is. Let's talk about different niches out there. Yeah. I mean, I think the first one that comes to my head and the thing that people attack the most first is uh, subdividing. Um, it, it's probably the most attainable, but again, it's a lot of relationship based stuff. Cause you are going to, you're going to need to understand the county's zoning, all that. You're going to also need to have a reliable realtor as well as surveyor, um, and when I say subdivide guys, there is a large subdivision play where you turn 50 acres into 50 house lots, buildable lots, but you also have an option with 50 acres to turn it into 10, five acre lots, 25 and 25 is probably big, um, 12, four acre lots, whatever it is. Um, so that's what I'm kind of talking about. Like minor subdivisions is a simple simple but complicated i think first step because i don't like i said i don't want people doing this on their first deal um but you could definitely fall into a deal or two that turns into a minor subdivision yeah and i mean major subdivisions there's much more money in it just becomes like we said more risk but more you need to have being more knowledgeable in that area and really really know what you're doing from an engineering standpoint drainage standpoint you need 
you need engineers out there, all kinds of different things going to major subdivisions. There's a ton of money in it as well. It just becomes very specialized. The easier way, like Ron's saying, the minor subdivisions is taking that 50 acres, 10, five acre lots, something like that, Ron. Mm -hmm. But what, what else do you hear? Um, like, like we talked about, like entitlements, it's not something that we've messed with. Um, but rezoning stuff, especially as you get close to urban areas is extremely difficult. It's extremely time consuming. Um, a lot of times it's going to turn into selling a commercial property. It's going to be turning a residential into a commercial, whatever it is, um, and selling that property to a big investor or something like that. And these deals can sometimes take two, two and a half, three years, um, because you're dealing with so many codes, uh, cities, uh, just changes that need to happen that take time. Um, but again, these can be seven figure profit deals, Dan. Yeah. If you're talking the real like entitlements, there's a ton, a ton of money in there. You can get to some like lower, lower profit entitlement deals too in certain areas. It just really depends the, um, the area you're in and the market you're in. Of course, another one out there, Ron is some people I've, I've seen quite a few people with this one, Ron, just hunting and recreational land and, and mm -hmm. like leasing to hunters, things like that, or just specializing in landlocked properties for hunters and they just get there through a four-wheeler on ground things like that yeah exactly there's so much desirability right now i i'm in a lot of these forums on facebook because trying to sell land like i would join these little groups buy and sell groups and um like there is such a there's there's a scarcity of hunting land and it seems like people are like fighting over getting hunting leases so not only are you going to get this revenue per year and this cash flow essentially you're also going to have that appreciating asset so doing that, leasing that out as a long-term play, I think is phenomenal. Yeah. Another one that comes to mind is infill lots in, in fairly populated areas like cities. Infill lots in cities can be a, a good niche. It's hard. You got to specialize in that, that area a lot of times, but there's, there's a lot of money to be made in those. I mean, you're talking these, some of these lots around are going for 500,000 to a million that are like quarter acre lots if they're zoned in the like say they're zoned commercial in a downtown area they're just super 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 expensive and you can make a lot of money as well yeah and a lot of those like commercial type ones like you're gonna have to line up an end buyer um it's gonna be a lot more specialized in terms of selling the land because you need to know what it can be zoned for it once you get closer to urban areas like you're in main cities like the zoning is a huge aspect and you got to know that up front um, but if you're talking about these residential infill lots, these lots are selling, like you got to know the area. So that's where kind of the niche aspect comes in um, because it's pricing becomes a niche in itself because you need to price these correctly. Neighborhood to neighborhood infill lots are going to change and they can change by 50% of the value. Like it can be so drastic from neighborhood to neighborhood. Um, so knowing those areas really detailed um, I like that one a lot because it's more location focused. It's extremely specialized and, um, it's, uh, it's just a lot harder for people to penetrate in. I agree. And, you know, I'm trying to think of some others, Ron, my, my, I, I, we talked about hunting, we talked about subdividing. What, what else is there? I think far, I mean, we talked about hunting, farming is similar farming. to that in terms of farm leases, stuff like that. Um, these people take care of your land. Like if you get a good farm lease, something like that, like these can be long, long-term leases. They're going to take very good care of your land. They're going to take pride in it. Um, a lot of times they'll pay the taxes as well. Um, so you'd really have no expenses other, I mean, there are no expenses for you. Um, that's one that a lot of wealthy people are putting into long-term play is farmland. 
Um, and just land is not going anywhere. Like land is, there's a limited amount of land. So if you hold land long enough, like, and you're cash flowing every year, it's an extremely bent good way to diversify your portfolio, um, as well as have that cash flow. You know, a really niche one I've seen, Ron, which is I've seen actually two on two different occasions, people looking for this wasn't anyone in our community of someone looking to buy very specific land from us. And they were asking me questions when I used to sell our properties, it was properties with water features and specifically waterfall on it for, and they would take it and then sell it to like campgrounds and different adventure type of places as well. They were looking for like small waterfall featured. And it was, I think it was up in like North Georgia specifically, Ron, but that was one I've seen multiple times. That is very odd to think about, but it's yeah, I mean, there. if you, if you learn about, I, I like that. That's such a specific thing. It's such not a weird question, but it's just like such a specific thing that they're looking for and they're trying to get it at a good deal, I'm sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's hundreds of niches that you can get within this guy's like there's stuff we haven't even talked about. I mean, improvements, Dan, are something that we should probably talk about a little bit, whether you're clearing the land, whether you're putting a driveway, whether you're putting That's a, a septic one. well uh, mobile, something to make the end buyer it easier for the end buyer, it cheaper for the end buyer. Um, if you're doing that, it's going to be a ton of improved or, or a ton of added value. That's a really big one. We do a lot of improvements. There's a lot of good value there. Is it a niche? Yeah, I think in a way, especially if you start getting into different like septic perk tests, things like that, especially if you have small land, like the perk test on, on small properties, I feel like in these just minor improvements, maybe like you have an engineer, you know, write up or draft a document showing where the building is going to go and some of the other features where septic's going to go, things like that, like these minor improvements, clearing out some area, clearing out a road, putting a road in, whatever it is, improvements are really, really good. Another one that we don't talk about a lot, that's a, one of the biggest niches in the whole land niches in the whole world is mineral rights. And we don't get into that a lot, but mineral rights are, I mean, that is a massive industry in the oil industry run and also just, you know, different industries along like in Pennsylvania, this is big. Also in the South, you have all the oil leases as well and all the mineral rights subsurface. Subsurface rights are is just such a massive industry, Ron. Yeah, so essentially, initially when a property, so when you sell a property, if you have mineral rights and uh, surface rights, you could uh, theoretically just sell the mineral rights. And that's how those two event got separated at one point. A lot of pieces of parcel land in the country will still have uh, mineral light rights attached to the uh, surface rights. Um, but that being said, like you get into Texas, you get into Oklahoma, Colorado with big oil industries, and there's a lot of value in the subsurface rights. I, I don't know ab enough about this to say, like, we just don't. I, I, maybe you do know more than me, Dan, about it, but I'm not as educated on this as maybe I should be. Um, but I know, like... This is a massive, massive industry, um, oil rights. It's essentially oil rights is what it is. And a lot of land investors do not know about this at all in terms of just like educate. We don't know much because there's so many, each state has different guidelines with mineral rights and you can get into so much. There's so much, it's very, very, very technical, which makes it a really cool niche to think about. And these oil industries are going after these properties. Like if you guys have ever seen the title, Landman, like someone working as a landman, that's their title at a company. It's where they're literally just trying to acquire, like, and analyze subsurface rights to buy for these big oil companies. BP has thousands of landmen around trying to find these different areas and properties to where they can drill or whatever on the on the properties. And this is such a big niche. I would love to know more about it, but it is a rabbit hole. There's a lot. Each state's different. Each area in the state's different. 
different regulations, different, you know, mineral right deeds. There's a lot that goes into this. And then actually what's subsurface, like how, how are you actually going to get there? There's different methods of extraction and different laws with extraction, Ron. So there's all, all kinds of things with this, but it is a cool niche where I'm sure you can make a boatload. Yeah, without a doubt. And, uh, like I said, I'm not overly educated on, on it by any means. And it's because it's like an industry in itself. Like it's beyond, it's almost like beyond like just a land niche. Like, cause it is, I a, agree. it's like, cause it's like in the oil industry is essentially what it is. Um, it, it almost comes outside of land. Like you got to know what it is. So you're not buying property where you don't have mineral rights and someone else has mineral rights and they're going to do stuff on your land. Um, so you got to be careful with that and be educated on that aspect of things. Um, but I think you kind of brought up a good point Dan. like with any of these niches, like you got to know local laws you gotta before you start an improvement or whatever it is on land like you got to understand what you can do with the land subdividing is a huge thing in terms of knowing what you actually are allowed to do um know the regulations in the city uh, the county everything like that um but uh i think that's really good any niches that you'd stay away from just off that we've talked about or that's in your head Probably like adding structures, honestly, like that just becomes, especially right now in today's market where um, holding costs are more expensive, uh, it's harder to sell property, mobile homes take forever to put on a piece of land. Um, I don't like the building industry seems maybe like modular stuff like that, but the building industry I would not do. Yeah, it just becomes a whole nother. I mean, at that point, you're not a land company, you're really a, a builder, you know, if you're putting structures on a property, prepping it for property is kind of cool. You know, yeah. whether you're putting a pad down or just a septic, like we talked about prepping for a building to make it easier on everyone is, is a cool niche as well. So they don't need to worry about, oh, right when I buy this land, I got to get this permit. I got to do this. Oh, all permits are already in place. Oh, yeah. there's already a septic system on there. There's a well on there. Everything's in place. You just got to build. That's what I was kind of thinking when we were talking, Dan, is like that being that being a huge niche in like uh, mountainous environments it's got to be expensive areas because how much but like prepping land in uh extreme sloped areas where there's million two million dollar houses um could be an extremely profitable niche it is extremely expensive to prep these pieces of land for um for houses but i was just kind of thinking because we had that deal that we reviewed where it was like you had to cut into a mountain and it was already done before we uh were under contract to buy it um but uh that I could imagine, I think it would be pretty easy to acquire the land also. What do you mean by that? Just cause it's just high, prepping, prepping, yeah. Prepping sloped land, like extremely sloped land for expensive mansions or houses, whatever it is. Um, which is you get into excavating, you get into cutting out of mountains. Like it's an well, extremely expensive process after. And that's one of the bigger niches that we've talked about in terms of skill set. Yeah. And it, it's going to help sell the property faster, but not only that, like it's going to help it get under contract faster and the closing process is going to be faster because these people putting $2 million homes on these mountain properties with a beautiful view of the Colorado mountains, Ron, they, they're not going to buy a property where they don't know if they can't build. They're going to want the test done. They're going to want an engineer to look at it to make sure they can put their dream home on it. They're just going to want a lot of things aligned when you start getting to that price range, Ron. So that's why I think having some of those permits and everything ready for them to go is going to speed that all up because then they're going to get it. You're going to get it under contract and they're going to want 90 days to do these different tests and things. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you know a market there and have the connection, not just there anywhere um, with those that kind of meet those guidelines, like I think that can be, it, it. that's one of the more skilled things I think in terms of prepping really sloped land uh, because it is risky, I think, because how expensive it can get. 
Thank you for joining. If you guys have not, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast. It really helps our business grow and we really, really appreciate it. But other than that, guys, thank you for joining and we'll see you next episode. Thanks, guys.